looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. I thought he had none yesterday up against those hard heads. He got a lot closer than I thought. It was a sensational run. If he doesn't win the derby next week, I'll swim to Stradbroke Island. He is across the line, that horse in the derby. Absolutely across the line. Nothing, the nothing that he will face in the derby next week would get within six or seven lengths of Huetor. Let, let's face it, a dollar ninety is stealing money. Should dead set be a dollar forty that horse? Well, it wasn't. It was a dollar seventy, but a duly won. I mean, are you ever wrong? I've changed. I've changed my mind all about you now. I always, I always just say you were always wrong, but I don't think you're ever wrong now. Well, it was a major moment for me yesterday. I've got to say, and I'm not making this up. I, I dead set had about five people throughout the day calling out to me across the rail, saying, "Ah, oh, Ben Dorries, have you got your budgie smugglers? Are you preparing for a swim?" So I was actually sort of thinking, "Gee whiz, I'm not much of a swimmer if this buddy horse doesn't win." Uh, I reckon I'm going to make it about 200 metres to Strabroke Island, and then I'll either run out of gas or a shark will get me one of the two. You felt pretty cruisy up the straight. The race was it was put away when Kovalika dashed to the front. Of course, it was Queensland Derby Day yesterday. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Their website is archerparkracing.com.au. Look, a great day of racing. We're at the halfway point during the carnival, halfway point of the Star Stradbroke season. Great day of racing, wonderful weather, big crowd. What was your highlight yesterday? Oh, I reckon Hawaii Five O might have been, mm. uh, just because I, I love a three-year-old with X Factor uh, getting into a big race like the Stradbroke. Um, personally, I've got to say I was disappointed. Yellow Brick didn't win. I was really cheering for that horse. Just, I, you know, I reckon. It's got huge potential. I would have loved to have seen Tony and Madison Sears get that, that horse in the straight break. Doesn't look like it's going to happen now. But I'll tell you what, uh, John Singleton and co will certainly add a splash of extra colour to Strabroke Week with Hawaii 5.0 and will give um, Gay Wardhouse and Adrian Bott a chance for back-to-back Strabrokes. And, of course, they've got Converge, which ran a blinder as well in the main race. And I'm also hearing they may pay up a late entry for Surf Dancer. Uh, as well, so they could have three in the strap run. I'm going to keep my highlight a secret because it's one that you wouldn't pick in a million years. Uh, we will we will discuss it. We will discuss it over the next hour. But I know what it is. What is it? It's that horse that was first up since the Melbourne Cup winning without a fight. See, you're never you're never wrong. You're <laughs> to never, watch your back or something. Or? You're never you're never right. Yeah. It, that performance startled me. We'll talk about that more later. Talking about, of course without a fight winning in the uh, the Lord Mayor's Cup. But a lot to talk about, a lot to dissect, a lot to go through as we progress towards the big day. Of course, Stradbroke Day a fortnight away. Next Saturday is the Oaks. But yesterday was Queensland Derby Day and Kingsford Smith Cup Day. They were the two group ones. Let's go to the Kingsford Smith and think about it. Was um, attempting to win at his first attempted wait for age. In the straight, Rothfire charged to the front. Here comes, think about it. After Rothfire, who's got a decent kick though. Rothfire the leader. Slowly but surely, think about it, gets on terms. Rothfire the inside. Think about it, the outside. Think about it, race to the lead. Flashing open on the inside, converge. Think about it in front and one. Think about it, one the Kingsford Smith. From a flashing converge, Rothfire and King of Sparta. Followed then by Shalo. Then Alpine Edge, Velada. Followed by a case of you who didn't come on. Kerwin's Lane, then Emerald Kingdom, Paul Ailey. A long way back, Gentleman Roy with 11-11. 
and uh, Eduardo, and not finishing the track, Palazapan. Think about it immediately uh, firmed up for the Stradbroke um, uh, with no surprises there. Into $3 now after winning the Kingsford Smith yesterday, ridden by Sam Clipperton and trained by Joe Pride. And Joe's been very kind to this program over many years. He joins us this morning. Joe, good morning and congratulations. Yeah, good morning. Um, yeah, a fantastic result. So uh, very excited by what we've, uh, what we've un- unleashed there yesterday. Yeah, we'll talk more about it, but it's always easier, I suppose, the day after to discuss how you felt the day before. But going into the race, this is a horse, and you've been the first to admit it, came through his classes very swiftly. He he, he got there all of a sudden, and there he was, one of the favourites yesterday. Before the race yesterday, did you think he would win yesterday? Oh, I thought he was a winning chance, mm. um, but um, you never take anything for granted. You know, I've taken a lot of horses through the grades over the years, and it's it's amazing, you know, how often they'll they'll fall short of where you want them. And it's the majority of horses, right? They under they underperform, not over. Um, but he just keeps exceeding expectations and went in there um, just with an open mind about it, knowing that if he ran top four, handled the occasion well, that he'd set up really well for a straight break chance as a straight chance, and the fact that he's won the race, um, big cherry on top, isn't it? It's a big bonus. So, um, yeah. Joe, you're, you're a sensible bloke, not prone to sort of over-exaggerating the performance of horses, but I, I sense right from, maybe not day dot, but certainly from the start of this guy's winning streak, you, you've been very bullish that you've got a very good, good horse on your hands. It's easy for everyone to see that now, but what made you sort of think that at the start of this winning streak or at the start of this guy's career? Take us into the early days, I guess. Yeah, look, you know, we all we all have uh, different ideas on what, what a good horse is, but... Um, to me, it's been his, and just watching his racing career unfold, the versatility that he's shown. But the one thing that's, that, he, that all the runs have in common is how strong he is through the post. Now, what makes a good horse, all shapes and sizes, right? There's no one specific physique. But what they have to have is a good cardio setup, uh, good heart and lungs. And horses that are strong at the races have the best heart and lungs. And this horse, every single start, his best bits his last fellow. I think he ran, ran his last couple last time he just saying ten nine or something just after running a ten six. I mean they're just they're just not doing that unless they're exceptional horses. Um, you know, horses can be very fast and look flashy going through the grades, but this horse is as I say it's, it's what he's been doing with the, the the business end of races that's been super impressive. Watching from the broadcast boxes the horses come out onto the track, I noticed that he was first out onto the track ahead of the others and he was the last to load. What's the background of that? Oh, last to load's not a problem. He's not. A, he's not. A, he's not a problem at all. In the gates. Um, that would have been coincidence. I'm not even sure why he was last to load. Um, yeah, the parading thing is. Is it a problem? Um, not certainly not affecting his performance. Um, he was. He was very very well behaved yesterday um, in the uh, in the stalls. Um, he was there three hours before, and he he had a great day. Um, it's just those last few minutes anticipation for him. Um, he's not. He's not stressing, which I, you know, we're all the manting, yeah, the horses, um, stressy, or or there's a change in his their behaviour. This bloke's done that from the first day he raced, so that's very much his normal carry on. Um, he doesn't sweat, 
um, he just gets a bit excited. So um, maybe if he doesn't do it, I should be worried. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just throwing forward to the straight break, Joe, it looks like, I mean, certainly <clears throat> towards the top of, well, you're the favourite at $3, but towards the top of betting markets, there's an exciting crop of three-year-olds. I mean, we saw Hawaii 5-0 win yesterday. Uh, Arf Cabin's keeping his powder dry for a Stradbroke, and you've got you know Ruthless Dame and Royal Merchant. So it looks like it's going to have a heavy sort of three-year-old contingent, the Stradbroke, doesn't it? And what do you sort of make of that? Yeah, look, I'm the first one normally to dismiss the three-year-olds because I've seen so many of them come through over the years, mate. Everyone tips them to beat the older good horses, and they don't. This crop of three-year-olds, they've won everything. You know? I mean, uh, the Lightning, TJ... Um, you know, they're just it's, it's like they've won every older horse race. And you're even seeing it in the, the lower tier um, races, even a horse like Opal Ridge winning that Luskin Star at Scone. They just don't do that normally. The three are an exceptional crop. I've got a lot of... Uh, I don't, I'm not sure which one I'm most scared of, but they're very good. The good thing is my bloke isn't going to have to give um, an incredible amount of weight to them because um, he drops the 54 himself. And that has me pretty comfortable. And he's, in a lot of ways, he's done about as much racing as these three-year-olds. And he's kind of, he's a bit of a big baby himself. So um, he's obviously well in. And, um, yeah, looking forward to it. But as I say, I've got a lot of respect for those three-year-olds. There's not much more we can expand on as far as his CV's concerned. He's had uh, nine starts for eight wins. That's outstanding in itself. He's now the favourite for the Stradbroke. He's well-weighted. He's going to be hard to beat. We get all that. Once the strap breaks over, and I'm sure you, you've had some preliminary thoughts, either yourself or with, with your, your ownership group, what are you looking at down the track uh, in the next, second half of the year with Think About It? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it's important that I want to say to see, because I haven't actually even had him out to 1,400 metres yet. Mm. Um, the furthest he's run is 1,350. I've got no doubt he's going to run 1,400, no, no doubt in the world. But the point I'm getting to is I, I haven't... I haven't exposed him to anything further than that, so I'm not sure what to expect. Now, I guess what he does in the straight break is going to be crucial in, in making that decision. Um, he would have to go exceptionally well for me to um, be thinking, I want to take on Giga Kick and Peter Moody's horse, sorry, I've forgotten his name, in, in, the, in the TJ, uh, sorry, in the, um, in the Everest, um, because the older horse ranks over further um, have been weakened pretty significantly this year with the you know, retirement of Animo and a few others on the way out. So there's a bit to weigh up there. So I'm not answering your question. Sorry, not, I'm avoiding your question. I don't know, but I'm very interested to see what he does in the Stradbroke as, as a guide to how I place him in the street. It's certainly it's an, it's an exciting, doubtful position to be in anyway. Yes, it sure is. Sure is. And you, you can rush into these decisions, and there's no need for that. He's having an extensive winter preparation, which, you know, it can be can be a, um, a lead-up to the spring. I mean, Private Eye came to the last year, ran second in the second in the Stradbroke, and then had an exceptional spring. So um, it's been done before, but I'm... I'm I'm not guarded. I'm just I'm, I'm just mindful of, of, of different things that could, that could unfold and, and not sort of prepared to commit to anything just yet. That was the good news. The, the great news, in fact, I suppose the bad news yesterday was the performance of Eduardo got beaten a long way. Is he likely to be retired yet? Uh, look, I haven't spoken to, um, to to many of the owners yet, so we'll just, we'll just give that careful consideration. Let's talk about the jockey. Uh, he spoke, uh, his words were uh, impressive after the win yesterday, and he's had a great association with his horse. I'm sure it means something that if a jockey and a horse click together and they're regular winners, it means a lot. Yeah, sure it does. Yeah, look, um, 
you know, horses like this, we we feel at times fortunate to be associated with them because they make us they make us look good. And not so I'm not um, taking anything away from Sam's performances on the horse, but we all we all need horses like this now in our life to take us forward because they're they're so easy to work with. And this horse has been ridden in a, a heap of different ways. Sam's building up a really good association with him, and we're keen to continue that. Um, I would like to think that this horse can continue on with what he did yesterday in terms of that nice racing pattern where he's able to absorb uh, the pressure but but not be part of it and but be you know be right there when the when the when the the, the business end of the race is there to be decided. So um, I like the fact that he's um, he's developing to that kind of horse. He's a worthy Stradbroke favourite. Good luck in a fortnight's time. And again, thanks for being with us this morning. Great. Thanks very much, guys. Joe Pryor, the winning trainer of Think About It, who uh, captured the group one yesterday. A very good performance. He was actually three wide all of the way, but three wide with cover. And then he he made his um, um, claim in the early part of the straight. He was strong to the line. So it was an outstanding Stradbroke trial. And as I said, he's a worthy Stradbroke favourite now at $3. Yeah, I think Converge uh, was exceptional as well, charging along the rails. <clears throat> I spoke to Adrian Bott last week. He said, look, <clears throat> didn't think Converge... Would win the Kingsford Smith was, um, you know, I reckon eighty percent fit. All roads lead to the Stradbroke, so if you like Converge, um, that's some sort of tip given he ran so well yesterday. The only thing is, Tim Clark, uh, just as he was leaving the, the course, I said, "Gee, that was a great Stradbroke, Stradbroke troll Converge." He said, "Yeah," he said it was terrific. Fifty-five and a half kilos in a Stradie, yeah. just you know, like. Can he win a Stratty with 55 and a half? Maybe. Um, but as we mentioned, there's a whole lot of, um, whole stack of three-year-olds in there. Rothfire was good. Shalo was terrific um, from a Tatsiara point of view, charging home to be beaten less than, than two lengths in that sort of company. So uh, a case of you. Uh, reckon uh, just found the track too firm yesterday. Started the favourite, was really well back during the week off that slashing finish in the Doom and 10,000. But... Uh, was produced at the right time and just didn't go on with it. Yeah, I, I found that as a fairly weak excuse being a firm track uh, with a case of views. I was I was disappointed with its run. The one that, that really caught my eye, and you've mentioned it, was Shalo. And, and, and I must admit, I didn't give her enough consideration when doing the form, probably because probably she was an emergency and then got a run. But her performance was outstanding. She's always very good first up. Her record shows that, but... That was a terrific run to, in that quality field, uh, that calibre of field to come from so far back. It was a, an excellent performance. Roth, Roth, Rothfire is as honest as the day is long. He is an A-grade performer. It's just that last little bit, isn't it, that that um, just seems to find him out, maybe at 1,300 and 1,400 in this company. Yeah, absolutely. And he's... <clears throat> He's been so genuine, hasn't he, for 100%. so long. So I'm sure he'll give a good account of himself in the Stradbroke. That's the Kings for Smith. Let's go to the other Group 1. The previous race, in fact, was the Queensland Derby and Kovalika, with the endorsement of Ben Dorries, was the $1.70 favourite. Heading towards the 600 metres, Sacred Mission being heeled along. Leads from Whitehack, racing third, the Englishman. He's had a good run. Then extra revs, followed by Special Sway, yielding ground, then Stroke of Luck. Kovalika now starts to close on the leaders and close on them pretty smartly as well. In the home straight, though, short of 400 left to run. Kovalika immediately took control of the derby and shot away. Look at Kovalika go. Promises Kemp comes out of the ruck. Running on fairly down the outside was Stroke of Luck. 
but look at Kovalika. He's a mile in front with 100 metres left to go. Faber's made up many lengths getting to second. Stroke of luck third, but Kovalika, too good. The favourite wins the derby and wins it well. Beats home fame, stroke of luck. Fourth not certain. Prominent there was Andlis, Aberfeldy Boy not far away, then Promises kept cut on a dime. Extra revs followed by Arby. Tapple doodle doo. Well back was the Englishman, then White Tag, Amalgamation, Smart Arby, the Vowels. Uh, well back, Subarctic, and just coming across the line, Sacred Mission, and also Special Sway. Kovalika, the best horse in the race, wins the Queensland Derby. And it was a pretty simple equation, wasn't it? The $1.70 favourite, Chris Waller training. James McDonald riding and Kovalika put pay to them in the early part of the straight, owned the race all the way up the straight, was never going to get beaten. Now six wins from nine starts. Neville Morgan and David Devine race Kovalika. It was a great day for Neville yesterday, and uh, he's joining us now. Neville, good morning. Oh, good day, David. Uh, ben, how are we all? We're all very well, and I'm sure you are as well. I, I know you, to win a derby, is, I think it's always a special thing for an owner to win a derby. And obviously you're very happy, but I think also you're a little excited as well because this is an exciting horse. It appears that way now, uh, David. Uh, I think uh, we learnt more about it, about him last week in the in the Derby mm. Cup to uh, to run uh, third in that uh, Group One Wait for Age race, uh, Open Company race. Uh, ticked a lot of boxes for us, and obviously yesterday um, the way he was able to put that field away was. Uh, very encouraging. You said to me after the race, and have you watching in the grandstand? It was dead set the easiest watch in a big race you reckon you've ever had. I think the official winning margin was a couple of lengths, but that race was in your horses keeping a, a long way out. There was hardly a nervous moment. Well, there wouldn't have been a single nervous moment. No, I stood. I stood next to David, who's probably the most nervous bloke uh, around, and even he was relaxed. So uh, <laughs> that was a good sign. So. Yeah, look, when uh, when James popped off the rails, uh, I think he sensed he, he, he didn't really want to get uh, caught in the ruck. So uh, something snuck up on his inside and uh, a few horses were coming around the outside. So I think he just uh, popped off the rails and travelled into the race from just before the home turn. And uh, as you say, after that, it was uh, uh, plain sailing. Yeah, I think as James described it as poetry in motion, this, this, <laughs> yeah. this horse from... from... Let's go back to the, the get-go right from the start. Did Chris always have a very good opinion of this horse? You know, uh, he, 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 he raced in a maiden, I'm, I think it was Newcastle, on Everest Day. Mm. And I watched the race on my phone. We were up at uh, Port Douglas. And he ran fourth, but he had a checkered run. Um, and I thought to myself at the time that, gee, this horse might, might have something. Um, we didn't really take too much of it because we, our horses come through the normal Christmas program. They don't, they don't smash them on the track, so you don't really know what's under the bonnet until, until race day. So there was never really a great uh, boom on him. Uh, he was always, you know, his trials were okay. Um, but it was just an initial race start that sort of gave me some encouragement. Um, and then I think he won his next two or three uh, in Sydney, uh, maybe maybe one out in the in the provincials, but then he won at Warwick Farm and then uh, came up here. Um, we still at that stage we we didn't think that he'd make it to a wait for age uh, uh, Doom Cup horse, but in this game you're always hopeful.
and uh, it looks like he uh, he might be on his way. So Chris was there obviously yesterday. Did you have any discussions with him post race, or did you get a re- report this morning to suggest I'm assuming the horse will spell now? What could be in order for a spring campaign for him? Uh, look, we didn't, uh, Ben. Uh, I think Gee, he looks like Caulfield <laughs> Cup horse to me, Neff. He's indicating that maybe Melbourne might be the option. Like, there's, there's so many good races in Sydney. I don't know whether he's brilliant enough for a Golden Eagle. Um, uh, but there's so many great options now. You know, obviously, uh, it's a great problem to have. Um, but I'll let the maestro sort that out. That's <laughs> way above my pay scale making decisions like that. And you'll understand this. In the old days, trainers like. Tommy Smith, Bart Cummings, uh, particularly Tommy Smith, who used to love the carnival up here. He Say he won the derby yesterday with Kovalika. I can imagine him squeaking and squawking after the race and this horse would be in the Q22 in two weeks' time because the race was there and the money money was big. Is there any possibility that Kovalika could go to the Q22 in a fortnight? I doubt it, David. I think that might just be a bridge too far. Mm. Um, He's got to come back from 2,400 to 2,200. And I think, really, Chris times his, he, he, he t- times his programs to the, not just the week, to just about the day. And I think he would have something in his mind now as to how long the horse was going to spell for, mm. you know, what his first up run will be, where it will be. Um, and uh, I doubt very much whether the Q22 would... Uh, slot into that uh, that program. Sure. Just out of interest, Nev, <clears throat> not that this really means much, but you're the $11 favourite for the Caulfield Cup and you're $15 in the Melbourne Cup, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Like, that's, that's the funny thing about this game, uh, Ben, as you know. Um, there's always hope. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, we've lived and breathed it for for uh, many years now, so uh, but we don't get carried away. You know, so much can happen between now and uh, October, November. And he was, I mean, one hundred and ten thousand dollars. You wouldn't say cheap for a horse, but but he was your cheapest buy of that particular. Um, you know, where you got him from in New Zealand, wasn't he? So yeah, and the other two that were more expensive turned out to, to sort of not do much at all. So for well, the money you spend, a... you, you've you've already had the time of your life with him. Yeah, well, they're certainly not in his class. Look, he's. He's out of a half-sister to the Bostonian. Um, and I think the Bostonian was a multiple Group 1 winning horse over, over sprint, distance, uh, sprint, sprint distances. And he's, uh, he's damaged by McPhee. So um, from Peter's point of view, he, he, he could freshen up to run uh, 1,500. Uh, but I, I think I'm just not quite sure whether that's... The, the track will take, but certainly for a hundred and ten thousand dollar horse, um, and he's by Ocean Park, which we've had a lot of luck with in the past. Uh, he's a cheap horse. You're the man with the Midas touch. You had a good entree to the Derby when Cooker Archer, another Derby winner for you, won the won the Premier's Cup, got the bob in. Does he go to the Q22? I I would think he would, uh, David. Yes. Um, he, uh, this is his time of the year to shine. Um, he's certainly a little, he's not a wait for age horse. He's a, he's a handicapper. Um, so, uh, we've got to be careful how we, how we place him. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I think that would be a, a good option for him. Yeah, it's amazing. He's, he's, he's rising six. That was his fifth career win yesterday. I think, but I think four of his five wins have been actually in Queensland. 
Yeah, as I say, he, he, he certainly likes it up here. Um, he, uh, in fact, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but I think you're right. He's, 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 he won a race in Melbourne, I think his first race, he won at the Provincials in Victoria. Uh, he, he, then, he won the uh, City to Surf here, he, he won the Tails and he won the Derby. And yesterday he won the, won the Premier's Cup, so he's won four of his five career wins have been in, in Queensland. I was shouted yesterday, uh, a chap told me, um, I don't speak Spanish, of course, <laughs> and he said, he said, do you know what cucaracha means in Spanish? So I said, no, I don't. He said, it's Spanish for cockroach. <laughs> I <saw my God. laughs> so, my wife actually named him, so, and she had no idea. That she, she just likes the song of the cucaracha. So. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> hey, uh, and had a good day at Murray Bridge. You had two winners there. Yes, yeah, uh, we, uh, I've had a great re- relationship with uh, Richard um, who would make, he, he would be a premier trainer in Sydney or Melbourne, uh, but he's very happy to stop in Adelaide. Um, he's got a great organisation there with, uh, with Di's wife, with um, Chantel and Jake, and they're just a, a well-all team and uh, I'm very happy to support them. Great result for you yesterday and for Dave, the whole team, and thanks for being with us this morning. No problem. Thanks a lot for your interest, lads. There is Neville Morgan, the part owner of Kovalika, who was dominant in the derby. He was, but I reckon I found the Q22 winner. Yes, who was that? A runner-up, fame. That was an enormous run from last. Off wins as Peter Moody horse was backed, I think, from 20s into 10s. So there's clearly, um, you know, stable confidence, market confidence. Uh, was last in that race, uh, <laughs> huge step up to Group 1 company. And was never going to beat Kovalika, but gee whiz, ran on really, really well. Be great to see a three-year-old like that uh, run in the Q22. Are you sure it's going to the Q22? I'm not sure, but why wouldn't it? Yeah, well, well exactly. It's wins. When you look at the form just on paper, when a maiden at Kinder and then when a, a low benchmark race at Maui, but then you look at the performances and they were quite extraordinary. And I can understand the backing for him yesterday, but he went up to 2,400 metres. And as you said... He did get through to the inside, but he passed a lot of runners. And importantly, while Kovalika beat him by two, he beat the rest by two. So he beat the others as easily as Kovalika beat him. So it would be great to see him in the, in the Q22. And really, looking through, uh, there's no hard luck stories uh, for, from the rest of them. They did their best, but they weren't in the same class as, as Kovalika, who Queensland can now lay claim to this horse because really his star started to shine during the summer when he won those three-year-old staying races and, of course, the derby winning yesterday. Yeah, terrific initiative, those three-year-old staying races in the summer. The Q22, what a stupid name for a race. I talked to a few people on course about this yesterday. I reckon that needs a name change because they were talking about the Q22 yesterday. Trainers couldn't even pronounce it right. They didn't know what the race was called. I've never heard of such a stupid bloody name for a race. Call it something else. Let's come up with something else in future years. Well, what does it mean, Q22? That won't, that won't be changing. You don't reckon? No. You want to have 10 bucks on it? I'll have 100 bucks on it. Um, so when's it got to change by? Well, it's not going to change in the next few weeks, let's face it. Yeah, exactly. It will change in the next two years. Yeah? Yeah. You know something. Well, would you want to have more than 100? Yeah. I'll do a bit of investigating <laughs> during the day. I've it's got a, a ridic- few contacts there. It's a ridiculous name, Q22. <laughs> what does it mean, please? Yeah, well, actually, I've got to confirm what that... I, I remember. Well, the 22 refers to the 2200, and I think the Q refers to Queensland. But it's, yeah. just, it's just a silly name. You can't have a lot better name than that. I don't think so.
<laughs> but I'm not. I'm not. But I'm not over it, Ammon, either. By, but um, I've got a bit of a few phone calls to make. Yeah. <laughs> so are we on for the hundred? I don't know. A hundred bucks. Okay, in the next two years. No, the next five years. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> you have more than hundred if you want. You beauty. <laughs> Let's go to the size produce. You can't change this name. This is a million-dollar race as well. Group 2 level, huge field, and it was a pretty hectic finish. Here's the replay. Into the straight of the size produce. 400 left to run. Can see around the 1400. Hyde Park having a crack. The kick went up and went by the pair straight away. And all of a sudden, Snapback chimed in and charged up and took the lead. Snapback went to the front. Z is battling on. Safrano getting up on the inside. And right down the outside was Trifling. Safrano, courtesy of Rails Runner, is coming after Snapback. Right along the inside, make a call, ran out of room. Then Chrysao. Safrano's in front and Safrano beat home. Snapback. Photo finish third. We've got uh, um, uh, rather we've got Chris Sale there, not far away. Make a call who ran out of room. Right up there as well was Californian, trifling not far away with Miss Jolene. Then Chevron, solidified, never got into the picture. Zia knocked up late. Then Felix the Scat, followed by Riggers Reward. Well back was Hyde Park knocking up. Then came Armed Forces, the King, within reason, Thunderlips, and Mashani Gangster last over the line. Safrado was last out of the barriers, but he was first home in the size produce. This horse has always delivered. He's always been a line chaser. He finds the line powerfully, and it was no surprise to me to see him win the size produce yesterday, and I'm sure our next guest agrees as well. Rex Slip, firstly, congratulations. It's one for the, the Queenslanders. You've always had faith in this horse, and why would you? He's never run a bad race. David, that is correct, mate. He's never, he, from every start he's had, I think he only got beaten, uh, when he ran eighth or ninth or something, was he only beaten a length and a half, less than two lengths in all the starts he's had. So, look, he's been knocking on the door all the time and a very honest little colt. Rex, isn't it amazing? When you won the Queensland Oaks in 2014, I think it was worth 400000 Here's a Group 2 race worth a million dollars. Have you won a million dollar race before? You probably have on Magic Millions Day, have you? No, unfortunately, I haven't. Ah, so, in in terms of prize money, this is this is your your best collect. This is the best collect, definitely. Again. Now, was was Mister Little there yesterday, or you still haven't met him? Mister Little is still inconspicuous. Can't see him. <laughs> Just tell our listeners the background of this. It's a great story. Tell us about it. Well, he told, <clears throat> originally he sent a cult down to me from uh, Cairns to try. And it was through of my farrier, who's good friends with his with the people up there, and they sent it to me. And anyway, and he sent down another couple. And look, they weren't up. He thought they could win down here, and I said they're not. So away they went. They went straight back up to Cairns. And uh, then he asked me to pick out a yearling in the uh, Magic Billions, and not knowing that. Uh, what sort of money or anything? I said, what sort of money? And he said, oh, plenty. And that's that's how it involved. It revolved around that. Anyway, I picked this cult out and uh, we were bidding on it. And uh, I said to him towards the end of the bidding, I said, Darley are, uh, are up against us. He said, who's Darley? <laughs> <laughs> that's the sort of chap he is. He's a real... Uh, he, 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 to me, he sounds a really likeable easy-going sort of a bloke to get on with. He, we've had no problems with him. He's we, he's more or less let this cult be mine and and placed him where I've 
thought he should be placed. And it's all revolved around that. It's been a very interesting uh, little journey with, with Cliff. At course, Rex, there was drama post-race, wasn't there? I mean, there was interference in several stages during the race, but significantly in the last 50 metres, there was, you don't see many six versus first protests, but make a call which ran six. Uh, obviously, Safrado uh, came back in on it near the, um, you know, near the post and did interfere with that horse, but very optimistic this protest, I thought, and you, uh, we were both in the, the, the protest room. I don't think you said a word. Um, Rex, you just thought this is all too silly for words. Well... <clears throat> I, really, I wasn't going to say what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to say? Well, to be honest with you, uh, the owners of the horses wanted to wanted to protest. They never represented anybody in the in the stewards' room. The trainer that was there never even came into the stewards' room, and they left it left it to the jockey to do all the work. And all, as far as I can see, it was a sad day for Queensland and a very sad and dark day for racing when the sixth horse, beaten a length and a half, and there's no way in the world it cost it a length and a half, to protest against me. If they happen to get it, the owner and the trainer of the second horse gets it. All the same interests. And as far as I'm, you know, it was, it was, it was one of those protests I think was... We'll have a go at the stumps, and if we fail, we fail. But if we win, we we, we won the race anyway. Mm. And just to to me, I didn't think, uh, you know, when you're beating a length and a half in the last 50 metres, you're not going it, it, to it's case to put a, a bit of a doubt on the uh, the result of the protest. Let's look ahead. The the dust has settled, so to speak, on yesterday. Have you made a decision regarding the the Atkins in a fortnight? Well, the, the the decision is totally on my shoulders. Yep. I won't make a decision until probably midweek. Sure. But at this stage, uh, I've just got a text message from my uh, main person who goes to the races, to the stables on the Saturday morning, 80s feed, 80s hay, and very relaxed. So, look, at this stage, he's eating, he's doing everything right. There is a, bit, there is a chance, yes. Got to give Damien Thornton a good rap here as well. It's never a, a good situation in a big race when you miss the start. But I thought his ride was was cool, calm, and collected. He didn't panic, and he just kept gaining ground along the inside and good vigour there at the finish. And he's really starting to 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 appear. Our, our riding ranks are very strong, but he's starting to appear very regularly now as a very good rider here. Oh look, I think he's one of the up and coming riders, and I've, I've stuck with him. Uh since I had to put him on in the first place. Uh, that ride yesterday was, I don't know, 50 out of 10, as far as I was concerned, when he missed the kick. But he was about 50-50 when, when, when he did off like, from the barriers, but that's beside the point. But as, as you say, he, he never panicked. He just kept on sucking up along the rail and got in a situation, in a position after they straightened where he could uh, just keep going forward and make use of the, of the fence. Exactly right. Well, it was a good day for you yesterday. You've said many times you're going to retire, but I think you're still kicking around. You're not, no, no plans to give it away yet? How can I? Of course. <laughs> of course. Good on you, mate. Good on you, mate. Congratulations. Thank you very much, David. Thanks, David. There Thanks, he is. Rex Slip joining us, the winning trainer of Sofrado. Now, I'm going to be a little controversial here, and I... 
probably was a bit weak in not mentioning it when you were discussing the protest. People will see... People who may, may not have, say, watched the race carefully and heard protest six against first, they'd say, well, that's fanciful. It has to be thrown out. I get that. However, I think there were legitimate grounds for a protest. And, and I'll make two points here. Firstly, I'll say this, that last night after just watching the race initially with a lateral view, I thought that make a call, if it hadn't been impeded, would have gone very close to winning the race. I'm not saying it would have won the race, but it would have gone very close to winning the race. And I doubt if if you watch that race carefully, both head-on and lateral, I think that's hard to disagree with. However, again, so this morning, I've watched it again a hundred times almost. He got to within... Three quarters of a length of Sofrado at the 50 metres. That's Blake Shinnell on Make It Call. So I think now, in the light of the morning, he wouldn't have beaten Sofrado. He would have gone close, but he wouldn't have beaten it. But he was he had full momentum and he was impeded. There's, there's, there's no risk about that. So I'm saying I think the correct decision was made, but I don't... Well, why are you being controversial? That's not controversial. Well, well it is because you, you, just, you and Rex just said, well, you know... How, how, how could this happen? Like, like, how would it could never well, be upheld? <clears throat> I didn't say that they shouldn't have thrown in a protest. I, I just it was a, a squillion to one to be upheld. Like, like well, well, squillion, well, squillion is actually unders. Well, I'm saying I don't think it was a squillion to one to, to be upheld. And just because it's sixth against first, uh, he ran sixth, but but basically four of them went across the line. He could have run. There were noses between them. He could have run fourth, third or fourth. Well, it was interesting the stewards room after the last Damien Thornton was suspended for his winning ride on Sofrado. Um, so that was an interesting wash-up. But um, with uh, deferring the suspension and I think he got eight days from memory, he will miss Oaks Day, but he will be back to ride Sofrado, assuming Sofrado lines up in the Joe Jackins. One thing I would say, forgetting the protests and forgetting the drama, make a call was a real eye-catcher, wasn't it? Ran six. This was the horse that protested against the winner. And I note now that those two horses, Sofrado and Make a Call, are the first and second favourites in the JJ Atkins. Mm. So assuming they both line up, that'll be some sort of rematch. Still fairly wide betting. Sofrado, as you said, $6 and favourite. Make a Call, $8 and Chrysale, who I think has taken a real decent step since his summer campaign. He was good at Gosford. He was good again yesterday at $8. It, it was a busy finish, and, uh, you know, there were a couple of horses I noted there who over the 1,400 were strong at the end and you would think would go to the would go to the uh, Atkins of the mile. And I, I speak of two fillies, Miss Jolene and Trifling, fourth and fifth, both making up good ground. So, you know, I wouldn't underestimate those horses. Uh, I think Sofrado is the benchmark, but I think the, the nature of the finish yesterday suggests that it's... Uh, a reasonably even group of two-year-olds. Yeah, and one thing we should mention as well, there was interference earlier <clears throat> in that race, Solidify, was just chopped out horribly. The, mm. the Kiwi horse that was, um, you know, uh, $5.50 was well fancied in that market. Nashville Willer actually caused that interference but didn't get suspended because made a pretty good argument in the stewards' room that his horse was effectively turned outwards from behind from another horse, so it was deemed that it was out of his control. Let's go to the black type undercard from yesterday. We've listened to the, the Group 1s and the Group 2 size, the million-dollar races. Let's go to the Lord Mayor's Cup. This was at Group 3 level over the 1,800 metres. 
600 left to run to the Lord Mayor's Cup at big odds. Seat of Power will lead them into the straight from Big Boy Roy popping off the rail. Colding in third. Lutzi's on the way forward being wound up now. Then came Just Folk followed by Bernabeck trying to thread the needle. The fearless one without a fight. Well back was Young Verda. New mandate to the outside as they go down towards the 200 metres and Lutzi's given its head. Race to the lead from Seat of Power. Big Boy Roy Just Folk looking without a fight. Charging home. Lutzi's in front is all out without a fight. Charging. Looking without a fight. Went right through the field. Raced away and bolted in. What a win. Beat Lutzi's. Photo third. Bernabeck or Young Verda. Behind them came Seat of Power. Just Folk. Colding the fearless one. New mandate. And gaps to Regal Lion and Big Boy Roy. Second last and last. This was something of a forgotten horse. We saw without a fight in the Melbourne Cup last year. Uh, be one of the, the main chances right in the market and didn't perform to expectations after some very good European form. All of a sudden now in the care of Anthony and Sam Friedman and it was an outstanding performance yesterday. You mentioned off the top of the show this was the win that <clears throat> almost took you back more than any other and it was visually spectacular, wasn't it? It certainly was. Um, time-wise, I know you love the times, the gallop was fast, 149.32, home in 35.27. His sectionals, and this is an 1,800-metre race, 45.91, home in 11.48. He recorded one of the, the fastest last 200 metres of the day. Let's talk more about this performance because I think a lot of people left the track yesterday um, saying this was spectacular. Sam Freeman's with us now. Sam, good morning. Morning, guys. Look, um, did you expect that performance yesterday? Oh, we knew he was going well. He's, um, you know, he's he, probably well documented. We got him after the Melbourne Cup. We went to run him in the Zipping Classic. He had to undergo some scans and he needed a screw put in um, the fetlock, which we, which we did, and we did all the right um, right things to tick him off to, to get back to the track. And we took our time with him. He's been in work, you know, a fair while. He's had. Um, three nice trials and been trying quite sharp over a thousand metres. I think um, mm. you know, your TV his trial in in Sydney, he, he rattled home um, behind some decent horses. So look, we knew he had some sprint in his legs, but you, you know you look at his form and he's best over a mile and a half. Um, it's probably not the first time that an import's probably sharpened up a little bit for for some shorter work. And yeah, he was he showed a really good turn of foot. Did you start, um, Sam, <clears throat> pretty much with a blank canvas with this horse, and just just sort of thought, well, we'll find we'll find out more about him as we go, or did Ed Crisford, his former trainer, give you any insight into into what he could do? Because I think he won over twenty eight hundred metres or, or close to it when he was overseas. Yeah, Ed Ed was a big help, particularly when the horse first came out and had a good chat to him about some of his different quirks. He's a funny horse to to work with, but um, yeah, once we gave him the break, we we really wanted to treat him just as we would treat how we would train most of the Australian horses and, and see how he would cope with that, keeping his work you know, quite short and sharp and um, trusting that the horse can obviously stay and, and we don't need to be you know, making him more dour. So, um, you know, we, we probably didn't think he'd come out and necessarily win like that yesterday, but knew he'd certainly rattle home well and, and our intention was always to head to the Q22. So that keeps us on track for that and... And I suppose we'll try and get through that and then look, look towards the spring with him. I suppose you could say you were pleasantly surprised, but I just outlined before you came on air, the times don't lie. I think this is what most people were most impressed about was the sharpness of the performance. He, you know, Many might have thought he'd, he'd run on and run maybe second or third, but 
34-2-22-59-11-48. Those times, they're his own times, they stack up with, you know, most of the good sprinters on the day. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't even look at his sectional, so that's the first time I've heard of him, but quick last furlong, and, and it looked like it visually. Mm. He sort of went from maybe he's just going to get there to winning pretty cosily. So, look, it, he, he could be a really exciting horse. His record's excellent. He's run... He ran second to the good horse that beat Desert, Desert um, County the other night. So, look, he's he's got world-class form, and I think now that he's you know sound and well, and the horse is just feeling terrific. So, look, I, I don't know what his targets might be in the spring. You know, I think the Q22 will probably tell us what we head towards. But if we can just keep him sound and well, he's yeah he's gonna he's gonna be a very nice horse out here. What did he make, Sam, of Sinawan and the BRC sprint? And <clears throat> I know you probably hope to get him to a strata. He seems a fair way down in the, in the ballot order. Mm. What's what's your plans for that horse? Yeah, we're just going to work through a contingency plan for him. Um, he was a great run first up, you know, for a long break. Uh, he's, you know, he's been set for the Stradbroke, but we just wanted to see him probably running like that as well. He's He's been in the wilderness for a little bit. Just with his form, it's been a little bit mixed. But... Um, yeah, we're still just working through where we'll head with him if we don't go there. And, um, you know, ultimately we'd like to use it as a platform to launch into the start of the spring, some of those 1,400-metre um, good races in Melbourne. So that's that's really, um, you know, going to be the goal with him long term. Great result yesterday, mate. Thanks for your time this morning. No worries. Cheers, guys. Sam Friedman, Julius. Oh, what I head? wish you hadn't cut him off. Oh, well... I tell you what, I'm sorry. I put my hand up and everything there. I wanted to ask him one more question. He's got two runners on the Sunshine Coast today. Oh, not, don't worry about it. Not that. every day you see Anthony and Sam Freeman have two on the Sunshine Coast on a Sunday. I was trying to find a winner. So I'm in trouble again. Yes. Yeah. I'm you in are. trouble again. One's called Love Tonight and one's called Elba. Two year old filly called Elba and a three year old maiden called Love Tonight. Pro- so no doubt both of those will win now. He's probably still listening to the show and he'll ring us back and tell us. <laughs> I don't think there's much more we can say about this race because everything else seemed to have its chance. The winner was just like Kovalika in the derby, was dominant. Yeah, Luncey's, um was well, very well supported and uh, sort of surged to the lead, but it was just no match for the winner, basically. And, and as you say, everything else really just kind of made up the numbers. The Group 3 Fred Best Classic gives the winner an automatic entry into the Stradbroke. There were two principal players in the betting, but in the end, Yellow Brick, they were all over the Queensland. At $2.20, he was the favourite with Hawaii 5-0 at $4. Here's how it panned out. End assembly still in front. Hawaii 5-0 trying hard. Zoo Tiger can't go on. And Yellow Brick is running out of time. End assembly in front. Hawaii 5-0 went up at the lead. Yellow Brick charging now. Too late! Hawaii 5-0, Stradbroke bound, beat home Yellow Brick, end assembly. Not certain about fourth Swiss exile there, not far away either was Sandpaper, then Soothsayer, followed by Atmosphere, Zutaga Lubrication, Terzier, Seven Veils, Larrikin Rogue, Fashion Legend, Kiko, Cradle of Life, and Mumbai Jewel, last over the line. Hawaii 5-0 is now $5 for the star Stradbroke in a fortnight's time. Um, going up to the second position behind Think About It, which we outline as at $3. Tell me something. <clears throat> if you've got a... I hear all this from these yard watchers and whatever, and I don't know... I, I mean, does being good-looking make you run faster? Maybe it does. But one thing I will say, Adrian Bodden, everyone connected with this horse, says this is the best-looking horse, the most imposing horse you'd, you'd ever see for a three-year-old. And apparently, I didn't see him in the yard. It was just spectacular yesterday. And with a featherweight of the Stradbroke as well. Yeah, and Adrian Bott told me straight after the race that Rachel King, 
uh, has been booked to ride Hawaii Five-O, who has 49.5 kilos in the Stratty. And, of course, that's significant. Well, significant for her, of course, but also significant because no female uh, jockey has ever won a Stradbroke. So she's trying to create history. I think Tegan Harrison came very, very close with Temple of Boom one year. Um, but, yeah, it looks like a serious, serious player in the Stradbroke. Could I take $5 about that horse in the Stradbroke? Oh, no, not at the moment, um, but could definitely win. And as we referenced earlier with Joe Pride, gee whiz, there's an exciting bunch of three-year-olds looming in this Stradbroke. And even Joe Pride, who has the favourite, says, yeah, I'm a bit scared of some of these three-year-olds. Yellow Brick wasn't that well away, but what I'm sort of noticing with this horse now, and I've seen it more than once, uh, only a fair beginner, but can't muster speed and then puts himself in a position to be in potentially the wrong spot. So yesterday, he jumped only fairly, but his lack of early dash saw him midfield, giving Hawaii 5-0 a start. Now in the end, his run was terrific, Yellow Brick. He chased home hard and was being just over a length, but Hawaii Five O had the the uh, edge on him in running, and I'm just thinking with Yellow Brick now. Um, I'd love to see him in the Stradbroke because I'm sure he'd be competitive. But as I think Tony Sears or Madison might have said post race, the plan B was either Gunsin Classic or the Sun or, and or the Sunshine Coast Guineas. And I reckon a mile of the Sunshine Coast. I reckon he's looking for a mile now. Yeah, I think both of those races, unfortunately, it looks like he probably won't get into a Stradbroke, although he still may not be that far off. Uh, fascinating insight here from Ben Thompson post-race I listened to. He said, look, he said this, this horse appeared to draw perfectly on paper, but just with you know, having to hustle up and, and, and whatever, really, he said, look, I would have preferred in the wash-up that we drew barrier 16 mm. and were three wide with cover, just just sort of blending into it. And I could see what he, he meant because he had to duck and dive for runs. And while he was doing that, um, Hawaii 5-0 was just, um, you know, just getting the suck run, the beautiful run. I don't think there's any difference in ability, really, between these two horses. It's just that Hawaii 5-0 just had a much better run yesterday. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Just checking that Stradbroke market, the Star Stradbroke. Think about it, $3, Hawaii 505, Converge 7.5, Cabin 8, Ruthless Dame at 8, and Cardinal Gem, the one that I was all over last week, is out to $11. Give us an early tip. Are you Cardinal Gem? Yeah, I, th- I think so. But look, I, I, with no, a, no, 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 no buts. What are you tipping? Uh, no, 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 because... Well, you can change your tip what in I, the next couple of weeks. That's no problem. But what are you tipping now? No, I want to wait till the barrier. Ah, jeez, you're ordinary. Honestly, come up with well, something. What's your for the tip? Half cabin. Yeah, well, I don't like it. Why don't you like it? I just don't. Yeah, okay. Well, I thought it's running the Durham in ten thousand. I think Terrific. there are other horses better in the, the other better horses than half cabin in the strap. Yeah, I, I, I like his profile. I thought the run in the Durham in ten thousand was terrific. He'll go in fresh. I'm hearing Craig Williams um, may get the ride. So, look, I don't think he's a moral by any chance. I think it's uh, yeah, it's four or five you can make a case for. But at the moment, um, I couldn't... Uh, as, as good as think about it is, and as, exo- as exciting as it is, could I take $3 in a show break? No. Hawaii, 5 $5, no. Converge, $7, maybe. Half cabin, I've settled on at this point. Will we agree on this, that it is the most talked about show break for several years? Yeah, uh, it is, and it's interesting to note that you look at some of these horses that are still high up in the market that may not get a start. Opal Ridge, for instance, is fifteen dollars. I don't think Opal Ridge will get a start in the Stradbroke um, at this point, unless there's a, quite a lot drop out above her. There's a lot of talent around. Let's go to the last race, the Helen Coglin. This was a wide betting race. Extremis was the favourite.
going forward as they approach the turn was Salatine from a long way back. Then Aureus Angel, Eurobell, Comrade Rosa pulls to the centre of the track, runs on generously. Then Promise of Success and Airstrike. Self-indulgence extremists, they're under siege now from Brookspire. Sneaky Five, Salatine and Comrade Rosa right down the outside. Comrade Rosa winding up strongly with Salatine. Self-indulgent trying to kick near the inside. It's Comrade Rosa in front and Comrade Rosa won the Helen Coughlin. B-Dame Salatine, Aureus Angel up for third. Fourth, not certain. You've got Self-Indulgent there as well with Sneaky Five. Juan Diva, Promise of Success. And also Hellfest, throw the ball in. Then Deep Rouge, followed by Extremist. Well back was Euro Bell and Airstrike last over the line. Comrade Rose is second up. Ryan Maloney, Dooman Cup winning jockey, riding for Tony Gollard. His first black tie win of the carnival. And uh, she may well go to the Tats Tiara now. Yeah, you'd think so. Gee, Salatine's a tease, isn't she? Wow, we another second. Um, but, yeah, nice day for Tony Gollan. Uh, trained at Quinella there. Didn't have a group one runner, I don't think, yesterday. Um, but obviously one earlier with Antuna, who we'll talk about in a minute. So, nice double for Tony Gollan on a group one day. Let's go to uh, our last black tie brace. This is the Premier's Cup, a good lead up to the Brisbane Cup in a fortnight's time. It was at group three level, and Serpentine, the leader, was the favourite. Serpentine, he's got a full head of steam and he's going pretty well. He's beaten off for Southern Stock. Cucaracha tries hard, then Carlapur and Warning battling away. Serpentine's lead is being diminished by Cucaracha and Carlapur. Cucaracha and Carlapur after Serpentine, then Warning. Here's a great finish as they come to the line. Oh, photo finish. Serpentine was climbing off the canvas. He's in a camera with Carlapur and Cucaracha and Warning right up there. A thrilling finish to the Premier's Cup. Wait for the judge. Then came at the head of the others, Yafford, followed by Southern Stock, Tappy's Land, Wellback Platinum Invader, Fancy Man, Odie Ra, Southern France and London Banker. Cucaracha in the centre got the bob in. Uh, it was a short half head by a short half head. Serpentine, I reckon one stride after the line, was in front again. And Carla Pura, uh, a short half head away in third with warning. Right there on the inside. It was a great race to watch up the straight. Yeah, it was terrific. Cucaracha hadn't uh, won in a while, but um, yeah, nice strong win over that distance. I'll tell you what, Calipore would have been a dollar ten in the run. I just had that beautiful run, just eased out, and you thought this thing's just going to go whooshka. But just the 2,400 metres arguably found that horse out. Serpentine, a valiant second, I thought. And you know what? Could be some sort of player. Um, you know, in the spring going forward. Perhaps not at the elite level, but there'll be a race in spring for Serpentine, I'm sure. So Cucaracha likely Q22. Serpentine, I would imagine, still on target for the Brisbane Cup. He was Everything was going cosily if you're on Serpentine, and then Southern Stock came around and, I think as I said in the broadcast, peppered him and uh, just uh, annoyed him a little bit, and maybe that was the, the difference between winning and being beaten a short half head. Yeah, and uh, uh, wash up at this race too. Chad Schofield, yeah. who rode Fancy Man, suspended twice in <laughs> one race. Yeah. It's funny, I said to him afterwards, I said, gee, was, <clears throat> you don't see this very often. Um, you know, two suspensions for the one jockey in the, in the one race. He said, ah, oh, it's happened to me a few times. So, look, one um, he copped and one he didn't cop. Well, like one he, he, he pleaded guilty to and one he didn't plead guilty to. Yeah, but it's funny, the whole stewarding system. So he got to serve the two penalties. I can't remember exactly what they were, but he, he got to serve them uh, concurrently. So effectively, he only got one penalty mm. for, for two breaches. So. 3rd of June to the 14th of June. Let's go to our last replay from yesterday. This is a race of interest, even though it wasn't a black type race. And Tino is the favourite. Drew Widely had a big weight, 61 and a half, but Punner stuck solid with him. 
And Tino looks to be going. Great guns up front. Mandled into the clear now to try and give chase. Mississippi Prince boxing away. Magnus Bellagio running on fairly. And Tino, he's currently riding hands and heels Ormond. He's got a three-quarter length margin over Manhood, who can't get him as yet. Blazer Trail emerges to third and runs on. But there's a kick in the locker with Antino. And he's home. Antino first. Beat either Manhood or Blazer Trail. And along the inside, nod of the head. Not far away was Surlamere with Petunia, wider renoof. Then came Mississippi Prince for Miko, followed by Be Water, my friend Paladas. Well back in the field was Safe Work and Petunia out towards the tail. And Tino was able to miss the start, then rev up, go to the front, control it, and win. Uh, he'll go to the Wayne Wilson Mile on Strabrack Day. Yeah, gee, I thought this was a nice win. 61 and a half kilos, wide barrier, did work early. And I think the impressive thing about Antino, he misses a straight break run, obviously, but he's he's just so versatile. He's done it coming from behind. He's done it from in front with the big weight. I asked Tony Gollum before this race whether he was worried about the barrier and in particular the weight. And he said, you know what? He said, to start with, I was. And then I looked at it and I saw his two main dangers um, one had 60 kilos and one had 59 and a half kilos who ended up running second and third. So he said, once I looked at it that way, I wasn't mm. so worried. So look, I think uh, Wayne Wilson and then I think he, we will definitely see this horse potentially in the Melbourne spring, just softly, softly, you know, listed races and, and group three races, but definitely a nice horse. Unfortunately, Mr. Stradbrook, this would have been his year to shine in a Stradbrook. I think Jimmy Orman's comments are, are worth uh, listening to. He knows this horse well, and uh, he knows his versatility. He let something slip yesterday, which wasn't really picked up. He he said, uh, wait for him at a mile or further, or, or wait for him at a mile or beyond. So he may have the impression this horse will go go as well over further than 1,600. Yeah, and he's a good judge, uh, riding well. And the story I did last week, Chris Waller gave James Orman an almighty rap, said mm. that uh, effectively he's an emerging superstar. He has to stand aside at the moment for, for jockeys like James McDonald when they come to town, but he said it won't be too long before younger jockeys are standing aside for James Orman. Oaks Day next Saturday, Fireburn 350, a Sweever 450, Renaissance Woman 450, and secure a good eight dollars. Ben, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, David. Ben Dorries joins me. Thanks for joining us on uh, Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, and I look forward to your company on Press Room tomorrow morning. Have a good day.